let's talk about the G20 that we came to participate in. What are some of the outcomes that came uh, from the meeting of the foreign ministers and some of the interventions that you did? Well, um, we had very uh, good discussions, particularly around food security, I thought, um, as well as collaborating in climate change uh, matters. Uh, India had broadened the uh, list of guests to the G20, and it included uh, Egypt, uh, Maldives, and uh, Mauritius. Maldives and Mauritius are small island states, and they have a very specific set of concerns around the effects of climate change. So I thought uh, for the first time, you really had the smaller states being able, in the context of a G20 meeting, uh, to set out uh, some of the difficulties and constraints uh, that they have faced uh, with cyclones and other uh, uh, disastrous uh, weather events. Um, but all of us agreed uh, that we need to have greater collaboration and attention to addressing the effects of climate change. We spoke as South Africa about the Just Energy Transition Partnership and the fact that we now have a plan uh, for investment as South Africa, and that while we appreciate the partners' promise of 8.5 billion US dollars, much more funding than that would be needed in order to implement a real uh, just energy transition. As the only country from the continent that is in the G20, do you feel that we also could carry the hopes and aspirations of the continent to this multilateral forum? Well, I think so, and we've always uh, made sure uh, that Africa is a reference point in all our contributions. But uh, what's great is that the African Union uh, is now increasingly accepted as having a seat at the G20. And I was very glad that uh, the current chair of the African Union was invited. I did speak to the chair of G20 to say that the hope of the AU is that the Commission will also be invited because it's a permanent uh, structure and so would be the one that records outcomes and ensures continuity from rotating chair to rotating chair. We need to continue to pursue the inclusion of the AU Commission in the G20 uh, in order to ensure that they are regarded as a support mechanism for the rotating chair. But AU presence was affirmed uh, by most of the G20 members. The conflict in Ukraine, of course, featured, and do we find that the, it, it is polarizing to the G20 members wherein we couldn't issue a joint communique because of some text that may be related to the conflict issues of the Nord Stream pipeline. Is this um, creating diversity as opposed to unity in the G20? It's creating division. Uh, among the G20 members, which we've never really had uh, at, at this level. Uh, we may have it uh, in the either bilateral or multilateral uh, uh, contexts, but in the G20, we've tended to work on the basis of consensus. However, since 2022's meeting, uh, we've had this matter of the conflict between Russia and Ukraine uh, causing a division. Uh, in Indonesia, the chair found a way uh, of crafting language that wouldn't cause uh, uh, discontent uh, in the 
two parties, but uh, here in India we've not been able to have a similar agreement, particularly since in the course of the year of this conflict there have been a whole range of developments uh, that Russia wanted to be referenced uh, in a communique and uh, the other countries, uh, particularly Europe and the United States, uh, would not agree. So we uh, ended up again uh, with the uh, chair's statement, which I think is not a satisfactory way uh, of addressing conclusions. I do think the Sherpas uh, need to continue to work on the detail. Uh, I think our leaders must have a deep conversation among themselves on two things. Firstly, how we restore the G20 to be a body that focuses on key development issues. But secondly, what role G20 can play in helping to end the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Because if we don't end it, we're going to continue to have this problem uh, of a disconcerting difference on issues uh, on which we've previously agreed. Tied to the G20 was the Ricina Dialogues. You participated in a panel discussion where a lot of issues did come to the table, issues of terrorism, issues of intellectual property, issues of uh, dealing with climate change and whether the development agenda and the climate change agenda are competing items. Um, do we feel that we are moving from talking to actioning some of these ideas? Well, uh, I think in South Africa we've tried. We're trying to. Uh, I think some countries still feel, as uh, Mauritius indicated very clearly, that there's a lot of talk but very little concrete action follows the talk. Uh, we all referred to the $100 billion uh, promise that was first referenced several years ago at a COP conference. Up to now, we've not seen those funds flowing. And without the finances, developing countries cannot move on the required action in response to uh, climate change effects. So it's vital, as uh, I think the delegates attending Raisina seemed to agree, uh, that the finance must flow, uh, that countries that have made the promises must honour their word and ensure that funding is available, one, for mitigation and adaptation, two, for really poor countries that cannot uh, uh, have the liquidity to respond, and thirdly, that there must be technology transfer and support for innovation that accompanies uh, the funding that we hope will flow. You also held um, bilateral exchanges with some of your counterparts, including the United States, Indonesia, Brazil, uh, Sri Lanka. Can you also touch on that? What were some of the discussions that took place? Well, uh, with the United States, we really focused on peace and security. And, uh, you know, I did uh, the tasks I, I carry out, which are to remind the world that the African continent is suffering uh, from instability in several parts, and that we have to bring greater attention to addressing those conflicts. We can't neglect Libya. Uh, we cannot neglect the Sahel. We can't neglect uh, Mozambique. We can't neglect Eastern DRC. And we worry when we see world conversations that exclude conflicts on the African continent, because we're a continent in dire need of development. And insecurity and conflict 
are a direct object that negates development. So it's important that we address instability, that we address violence and insecurity, because once we've addressed them, we will be able to focus on the real thing, which is development. And so I reminded Secretary Blinken that we want to see American attention to conflicts all over the world and not just in one part. Uh, and we would expect a great power, such as the United States of America, to be concerned about all of us, because this is the ideal uh, that the United States articulates to the world, that it is a country that seeks inclusion, freedom, justice, and democracy for everyone. And uh, I was saying to him, we welcome the statements the United States has been making with respect to Palestine uh, and the violence being uh, meted out against uh, the Palestinian people, uh, and that uh, along with them, we do hope for a two-state solution and that we could persuade Israel to begin to work toward putting in place those steps that will make a two-state solution a genuine a hope and reality for the world. The drills we conducted uh, just recently in South Africa with China and, um, and Russia, they, the West seems to be condemning that to say it was insensitive uh, just uh, on, the, on the anniversary of the conflict in Ukraine. What do you have to say about that? Well, I don't think um, that the people who planned the drills knew that there'd be a conflict between Ukraine and Russia. So it's really quite unfair to accuse them in that way. Uh, and uh, as I've said previously, while we are not insensitive to uh, the suffering uh, that is occasioned by conflict, there is no way in which South Africa uh, would support any country uh, being at war with another. We do not support war. We, in fact, abhor it. We've always said the basis of our own democracy is one of peaceful resolution of conflict. And thus we've urged negotiations and diplomacy. And anyone who's calling out another country uh, is not you know, really committed to seeking a diplomatic outcome. They're committed to forcing you to one side or another. We're refusing to be compelled in that way. Um, we've had drills with America. We've had drills with several other countries, France, etc. Uh, but none of them have been directed at being in conflict uh, in partnership with any country. Um, so, you know, I really reject uh, these accusations. Uh, I believe they're unfair to South Africa, and they just show uh, this, you know, patronizing uh, attitude, you know, that there is toward the developing world, that we're little children who must be directed as to how we conduct our governance. I have a serious objection to that. Uh, and while, of course, we must be sensitive always, but uh, an analysis that suggests uh, that we are antagonistic uh, toward one or the other uh, is very worrying. The cabinet announced that BRICS will be held from the 22nd to the 24th. Uh, we'll have the foreign ministers meeting uh, beginning of June. Uh, and then uh, we also have the Sherpas that have begun to meet. Uh, these are usually uh, senior officials of the BRICS countries. The meetings are all being held in South Africa. 
We have over 212 different working groups, think tanks, universities, and so on, youth, women, uh, business sector that are going to hold meetings. Um, and all of this uh, is going to take place uh, in various cities of South Africa, including uh, some of our lodges, I see. Uh, so I am excited that our country has chosen the theme BRICS in Africa, a partnership towards sustainable development uh, and inclusive economic uh, uh, growth. I think uh, this is a really appropriate uh, theme because South Africa has always asserted that it must work toward a better Africa, and our BRICS focus includes a very firm partnership between BRICS and the African continent. Do we feel that we are getting there where in there is starting to be a proper counterweight in bringing other currencies to also balance out the global financial systems? Well, I think we wanted to create a BRICS uh, development bank. Um, I'm not sure at its inception that it was seen as in opposition to anything because that would be an error. The dollar is extremely established. Uh, you have to really have muscle <laughs> to uh, you know, seek to be a challenge to it. So I think it would take time. I don't think it's a wrong uh, thought by any means, but any suggestion uh, that there's an immediacy about it I think would over-assume uh, our capacities. I think it's an aspiration uh, that we need to have. But we must strengthen our economies. We must build solid institutions. And I believe the performance of the NDB has really been excellent thus far. Uh, and I hope it will continue uh, to do really good work, to be supported by BRICS uh, uh, member states. But also, uh, I'm thrilled that other countries have become party uh, to the NDP. Lastly, Minister, we're taking it back home. There is an expectation of a reshuffle, a cabinet reshuffle in South Africa. The president was meant to announce it, and then unfortunately he fell ill. And I think the country is of this idea that do the ministers get briefed prior uh, this shuffle as it happens, or is it they get surprised as well? I think I'm so out of the country. Uh, that really the thoughts in my head are be prepared for your bilateral with Brazil, be prepared for your bilateral with France, with the United States, with the United Kingdom, uh, have your statements ready uh, for the G20 meeting, be ready for a panel uh, that is extemporaneous and you don't have any prepared note. Uh, so I don't have really much time uh, to be thinking about uh, reshuffles.